1: And welcome indeed to a midweek Wednesday version of the two guys at a mic show with the big dog and the coach. Got plenty on the docket for today, including the last day of October. All your dreams, all your aspirations, all your goals and objectives for the fine month of October have come to an end. It is time to look on as tomorrow. We enter November 1, and also, of course, the final day of October means it is Halloween. We will check in with the Big Dog on some Halloween thoughts and observations. And, uh, of course, we'll uh, still be talking about Hurricane Sandy and some of the aftermath now that we've had 24, 48 hours to let the pictures and some of the uh, vision set in with a different perspective here from the uh, city of Chicago. we got all that and more Big Dog and a Coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. A little bit of music from our producer extraordinaire, Mr. David Olson, and we will get this particular show off and running, or at least into a lazy jog. Thank you very much, David Olson, on the other side of the window pane. Or as we like to sometimes say, he is the pain on the other side of the window. 888-463-6748, the phone number. Let me welcome in my good partner who is not in studio today, but he is checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Chicago, Illinois, Chinatown, I believe. Chinatown, one of the things i got to ask you, Big Dog, is Halloween in Chinatown. I'm trying to paint the picture, and I'm a little fuzzy-eyed right now. How are you, my friend?
2: Well, I, I'm doing absolutely phenomenal. I'm in Chinatown today. In Chicago, it's going to be a, a phenomenal day, even though it's a bit cold for, for Halloween. But l- let me just let you know about Chinatown, Coach. St. Patrick. And by the St. way, we St. should St.
1: mention to the new it's not like you were born and bred in Chinatown. You are a recent cohabitant via a recent female acquaintance. Yeah, the, the, I've been
2: down here for about six months now. Now yes. I, I live out in Aurora, and I could be right now in a... The, the palatial estates walking around doing the show in a circle instead I've, I've decided to be in a cramped house as my girlfriend goes through the process <laughs> of buying a home wow. which she's getting in Canaryville which is so I'm moving from Chinatown to Canaryville so I, instead of me sticking out she's going to stick out that's going to be the difference and wow. And if I would if we would have moved already if the, the closing should have happened they the, what this bank is fighting on her in order to get the loan it's amazing five years ago I basically got a house, no money down. I, I didn't even show up and sign some of the papers. They were just like, oh, yeah, he wants the house. I'm not kidding you, during the closing. Okay. This this woman is going through, like, the most ridiculous process in order to get this loan. It's, it's embarrassing. I don't even want to name the bank, but all I got to tell you is their customer service has been atrocious. I, I, I can't believe what this family is going through trying to get this house. It's amazing. Well, well as soon as she moves, will we go to Halloween in Canaryville, Coach? You will see every single person in that neighborhood dressed up, and if they're not to the local drunks, just going right to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to the corner cap in, in Chinatown, you will have no idea that it's Halloween. You would walk down the street, and you have no idea that it's Halloween. There will not be one sign in the store like Happy Halloween. None of that. It's like is, a totally different world.
1: What's the relative proximity? I'm still a you know longtime suburbanite who's becoming more. And more entrenched into the city, but still not as familiar as you, Big long longtime city guy. The proximity of uh, Canaryville compared to uh, Chinatown.
2: Okay, Chinatown is technically in the what you would look at on the map as Bridgeport, where the northern part of Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Okay.
1: Where yeah, Mayor so, Daly? I always get mixed up. Mayor Daly, Bridgeview or Bridgeport?
2: Bridgeport. Bridgeview is where you find mosques and trucking companies and and railways.
1: Did you okay. say mobs or mosques?
2: Mosques, with a Q. Ah, okay,
1: because there is yes. a slight difference between the two. The, Although the actually, that, probably a lot more similar than you think.
2: So uh, um, many accusations of harboring people <laughs> of. Uh, of, of watch descent in the in the Broadview or Bridgeview uh, Broadview my view Bridgeview isn't that I just mixed up Bridgeview and Broadview Coach excuse me to all well, people of Bridgeview
1: at least you didn't mix it up with Bridgeport so so Chinatown is in Bridgeport and that's that's technically yes. and that's and where Mayor Daly used to or still does reside uh, yes well he he moved to like
2: 18th Street which would that is technically Canal Port ah. or or south loop depending i don't know which part which yeah. uh with where he lived uh, off of clark okay but he lived in technically what is still the heart of bridgeport and mm-hmm. it's still called bridgeport just south of what chinatown is and the whole family lived in like like low and then like i'm like between my like 31st mm-hmm. and 35th all
1: right so the move to canaryville and i'm sorry to hear that lily the lilac the uh fine female that at least for six months has decided to put up with you which uh it's four months that? four months more than your normal female uh, acquaintance? So I'm proud of Lily the Lilac, but but struggling to close the deal, shall we say?
2: Oh, it's unbelievable, and it, it's just, I, I don't want to get, go through all the technicalities, but you would just laugh at the, how embarrassing this stuff is. Like I, I, the, I, the, this, is the simplest one: think about going through this with the bank. They say, "Well, you co-signed on your brother's loan for his car, and you're trying to borrow money from us." Well. Uh, he's made nine payments on the car and we can only have documentation of the eight that he paid for it. So we're not sure if you paid for it, so we won't give you the loan. Oh boy. And the crazy thing is it was the bank account with this bank, this particular bank lending them the money was the bank that he used the account out of in the ninth one that they're not accepting right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just how dumb is that coach? I mean, I understand that you want to make sure everybody's willing to pay back the them. But if you're putting down, like, a third of the money, I I don't think you should have technicalities of somebody else's payment nine months ago that so happened to be a payment from your company that you somehow now aren't sure if it really happened or not. I I mean, honestly, to go through stuff like that
1: for a month? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling the pain. I'm not going through it, but I can feel the pain, and it certainly is not a good time to be – going mono versus mono versus the banks right now. So uh, that has got to be as like having a tooth pulled out sans Novocaine, slow yes, but is. painful process. Now, I'm a little surprised because you had told our listeners uh, that you were enjoying you know, living with not only Lily the Lilac, but Mama Lilac and Papa Lilac, who no speak too much English, but still. No, none, none, none at all. But yeah. you were able to develop a nice relationship with them. I thought everything was hunky, if not dory, but all of a sudden. Out of the clear blue sky, you and Lily the Lilac moving out. I'm shocked. And how are Mama Lilac and Papa Lilac taking the news?
2: Oh, uh, they're pretty happy. <laughs> and uh, But uh, Mama Lilac suggested to me, why don't you just <laughs> fix the place up and then you move back in here? It's not bad. Well, I was like, you know, thank you. I really appreciate that you like me. But I really can now, no longer hit my head on stuff, trip over things. <laughs> eventually i'm gonna they have this all these beautiful like chinese like ornate like different crafts and stuff
0: uh-huh.
2: i'll like and like really that like i'm afraid that if i bump into they can all come down with you know what i'm saying i was like you don't yeah. understand it's a matter of when with me i, I i'm just I, I walk through the yeah. house i'm afraid i'm going to destroy something at all
1: you are a large man ex-football player to put it mildly you need your space I do. I probably make twice as
2: much as everybody
1: in the home, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Oh, that, that's a painful process. Now, uh, and you'll have to fill us in as the days go along. Here, our listeners will live through your pain, and hopefully, the pain will become less and the housing uh, becomes reality. But let's get back to the
2: the question. No one in Chinatown will know yes. that it's uh, that it's actually Halloween. I'm not
1: So Halloween in Chinatown, there will be no trick or treaters.
2: They'll they'll be the Italian families that are left from the when this was a, a massive Italian community, mm-hmm. but prior to like 1915, because there's some people that still own a lot. Like the person right next to us, Tony, but I can't tell you his last name or his nickname, Coach, because it'll give it away. Mm-hmm. And he's probably listening to this conversation right now, so I'm just going to end it there. Like there's still a couple Italians living here, and I'm going to have to see. But all I know is this. I walked through Chinatown yesterday. Uh, no, excuse me, like, last week I didn't see any, like, pre-Halloween stuff. So I'm going to have to get – I don't think so. But <laughs> when it's the Chinese holidays, which are all over the place, yeah, they dress up. They do all kinds of stuff. It's pretty yes. cool.
1: It's not called not Halloween. Just... but And I've talked to people from uh, from other countries at various points in the last couple of months. And most countries, it seems – I know I was talking to someone who uh, was born in Greece and still travels back there once or twice a year. Big dog. They don't have – halloween but they've got a facsimile thereof so it seems like most countries have some kind of dress-up day for the little kitties
2: oh they, yeah i think they all do but uh i think america is the only one where like the devil is brought out In i'm not sure mm-hmm. by you the way know, you want like, a good time
1: spooky or, uh spooky. if you for a good time celebrate halloween in cuba
2: i, I could imagine
1: Ooh. Yeah. yeah. hey by the way we speaking of cuba and i want to get back to halloween here and get our phone lines uh Open Big Dog and the Coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, 888-463-6748. We're definitively going to get to Hurricane Sandy. I want to talk about that, Big Dog. Uh, Move on to the elections in a little bit, uh, you know, a week from today, my friend. A week from today, when we wake up Wednesday morning, we'll be talking about, well, it might be so close, we might not be talking about, but theoretically talking about who the next president of the United States will be, so we're going to mesh into that, too. But uh, real quick, we had a couple of emails yesterday. You had mentioned, and I kind of went with you along with it, with the Fidel Castro as a potential Major League Baseball player, couldn't quite make the cut, shall we say, and then went on to a life of communism in Cuba. And some people weren't sure if you were kidding or if that was a for real.
2: Yeah, okay. I didn't even look it up. Just like The story is that he almost made the Brooklyn Dodgers. and he Fidel didn't Castro. to. Just- yeah, Fidel Castro, and he did not want – there's a bunch of different stories. And one of the stories is that when uh, when uh, he, he was going to end up going to the minor leagues, uh, basically he was going to a motel, and they were going to make him – he couldn't stay in that hotel as a white-only hotel. <laughs> so he yeah. left, left America, and went back to Cuba, and, wow. and from then had a, a, a hatred of America. He's like, oh, so I'm not as – I can't actually – stay in the same hotel rooms with you because I don't speak the English.
1: So you weren't kidding. It's actually, at least to some extent, for real. Some extent. Well, yeah, making all this
2: up, this is just, uh, yeah, this is I'm, this is all a half fairy tale, so it's real in my head, Coach, but nobody oh, else. So
1: now I'm confused now. So you did completely make it up. No, of course I didn't. Why would I make it up? I don't I was, know. You I'm somewhat for real. I, How it I told you we well, we had a couple of emailers along with mine you know, i kind of went along yeah, with you whatever. but i thought the same thing after i'm not and sure it, and well
2: it ends up happening when they, he decided whether they was gonna, he was going to he was going to go with uh, the communist or go with uh, with the united states during the whole cold cold war issue he went back to remembering when he was in the united states they wouldn't let him stay at one of the hotels that. it was a white owned
1: hotel so how about that well, how uh, like 16 17 18 at the time any idea of age
2: I would have to say he was probably like nineteen or something. Who knows? With who knows with Latin baseball players, he probably told them he was nineteen. He was really twenty-six.
1: at uh, the beard probably told. Yeah, David
0: Olson, producer extraordinaire, with some uh, info off of the internet. Uh, well, no, this is the stories I've heard before. Oh, okay. Uh, Fidel Castro and Tommy Lasorda played together in Cuba wow. in the Dodgers minor league system. Wow. In the late nineteen forties. Wait, the Dodgers had a minor league team in Cuba? Yeah, yeah. yeah don't don't forget. I'm I mean. Cuba used to be like a vacation destination up until the late 50s with the communist revolution. So yeah, I, was, I was only partly kidding, big dog, when I said that if Fidel Castro
1: could have hit the curveball a little bit better and maybe had a little bit more range in the whole second base or short step, uh, the, the fine country of Cuba, and one could argue Cuba, communism as a whole, could have taken a different turn.
2: No, no, it absolutely would have. I, I wasn't wow. joking when I said that. Like he was trying to make it as a major league baseball player, and he just wasn't. Okay. He was a pitcher. It just ended up just being short. All
1: right. C- and
2: Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda was also a, a pitcher for the Dodgers, so they would have like worked together. You know what I mean? They would have. Been, Lasorda was a fat lefty. Always was.
1: What if Tommy Lasorda? What if roles would have been reversed? Fidel Castro would have made it in the major leagues and gone on to be a big league manager, and Tommy Lasorda. Would have stayed over in Cuba and tried to uh, get into politics and possibly find the uh, run the fine country.
2: Oh my goodness! Uh, I, Sam Giancana would end up having like monuments made after him down in Cuba if <laughs> that would have been true. Because oh, you boy. know, LaSorda and Giancana were probably buddies together.
1: It's interesting. Interesting. And Fidel actually would have made a hell of a manager. Probably.
2: Uh, uh, probably more of a general manager. That much intensity in the dugout all the time is not good. It's better to have that in the, as the. As the general manager.
0: So.
1: Can you imagine if he would have had Jim Leland in one dugout for the Tigers smoking up his cigarettes over in the other dugout, Fidel lighting up his cigar? There'd be like a giant, the game would have to be canceled after the fourth inning due to smoke inhalation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So, well, a couple of your emailers, including your favorite emailer, Cinemax Cindy, they did check it. They weren't sure if you were kidding or for real, but that's that no, no, story? The,
2: the Fidel Castro story is so wacky. The guy is a lunatic, and it, it's, seriously, that he, like, like if somebody told me that he actually followed witch doctors, I'd believe it, or there's actually people who said that. I mean, the guy is not, like, he's, yeah, willing, well, then again, you know what, I do understand that would be, if they wouldn't let you stay at a hotel just because of who you <laughs> were, that would yeah. get, like, that would make me, that would linger with me, I will admit. So. Yes.
1: Not to the point that I would corrupt and control an entire country i don't know if that that's the normal response but yeah so a little
2: I, bit. I, for the united states i guess that kind of worked out think about it because the guy ended up being a total despot, and if he we would have backed him we'd have been back in a total despot. it's true i mean in some weird way for the united states it worked out not for the people of cuba whatsoever mm-hmm. now because what would we have done when we would have found out that he was actually there and he was basically Tyrannizing everybody. And,
1: uh, you know, it would have been a little different. All right. Let's get, uh, get back on track if we okay. can. And again, uh, those that are new to the show, Big Dog, uh, you know, we, we get, we probably should call the show Sidetrack because we tend to, we start off with good intentions, but more often than not, we do get sidetracked. And I take full responsibility, uh, particularly in this case. So, uh, back to Halloween in the fine town of Chinatown. So it, you're going to experience your first. Chinatown Halloween today, you'll be at home answering the doors if any uh, nobody, uh, kids of no Italian mobsters come No,
2: there's, we're not going to know. If anybody comes here asking for food, they, they're, they're going to be rudely told no to get out of here.
1: Really? Why is that?
2: I, it's, I'm, that's not, I, I don't know about rudely, but nobody bought any candy or anything like that. Well, mama so, I mean, like I really don't expect people to be going up and down the streets in, in Chinatown, seriously, but literally... Three miles or about a mile and a half south of here, mm-hmm. people will be trick or treating. I don't expect okay. anybody to really be trick or treating here. Right. I mean, like, I've gone, there's no, I don't see anything on the streets, no signs, happy Halloween, nothing like that.
1: We have lived vicariously through some of your past exploits, big dog. I hesitate to ask this, but I must. It is Halloween of previous years, college years, teenage years mid thirties, early thirties, late twenties any particular stories where the big dog might have gotten in a little bit of trouble any Halloween shenanigans you care to report to the vast listening oh, audience out Oh
2: there? my goodness, Halloween's my favorite of all that's, uh, that's holidays. I, really you know like I've, I've got to go out and do something a little bit tonight so I, I have every intention to coach uh i I'll, I'll probably should bring the camera out but uh, you know it, it all started. I I ended up being really good at Halloween, really early, Coach. I do remember, in because uh, I lived out in the western suburbs. Let's face it, you go out, you live in the suburbs in America. You go out on Halloween, you can get so much food that it, yep. it is just just have a easy transportable costume. Well, the first year I had those stupid plastic bags, my bags were sagging, ripping. and I ended up losing a little bit of the candy. The next year I came up with the, the novel concept of uh, the what do you call it, my pillowcase. Pulled it off that's, the pillow. I went solid. out there. That thing held yep. up all night. It was totally full. I probably, looking back now, I probably had about ten thousand grams of sugar in that in that pillowcase easily.
1: Yep. That's. I've noticed the people, the kids that are really serious and really into the trick or treating. You know, not just the you know going around the neighborhood knocking on the doors, seeing all the people getting a little bit of candy. You but the ones that are really, really <laughs> focused, and there are kids like that. The pillowcase uh-huh. is the way they go.
2: I guess yeah, that's that's the way to do it, Coach.
1: Yeah, and by and, the way, uh, make sure you take oh the my. pillow out. It works much better if you take the pillow out first. <laughs> you can't take
2: a break though if you don't have yeah. the pillow in. Why? Oh uh, yeah, you know we would. We my brother and I, because I, I I'd have to go out with him, and then we'd get split up, which was cool. That's how. It was, but we'd end up back together, mm-hmm. and he would just be like, "If you do anything stupid when you're not with me, I will kill you."
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, and back then we started like at eight or eight thirty now. I don't know about you, but in our neighborhood, big dog the last five to ten years, it's over. It's over. It's all over. It's over by like six thirty.
2: Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. You know, coach, uh, we used to start right when school was out, literally. So by four we would start and I wouldn't stop until like eleven o'clock yeah. at night.
1: We didn't go out till like eight. Well that's yeah, yeah,
2: I was I was going out like late 70s to early 80s, like a five, six-year period. Like, right when I was going with my brother, I was only about another year or two that I did it. Then I, I
1: remember it, it tended in our younger years to be a time of trouble, and I was never a primary troublemaker, but I could be a somewhat less than innocent bystander with the eggs, the shaving cream, the water, et cetera. But we had a friend who lived about three blocks away, I'm going to say ages roughly 11 through 15, big dog, maybe for three or four years. And the dad... Was worse than us. The dad was a great guy, but he was a big time troublemaker, and he was a dangerous combo. He was an alcoholic and a pyromaniac. Now that's that's a dangerous.
2: I'm, I'm not going to s- say
1: the name, but that's a dangerous combination. He loved taking us out on Halloween, and um, we'd kind of follow his lead for some destruction. But part pyro, part alcoholic, and uh, I just I was. You know, follow my elders, Big Doug. I just followed the lead of uh, Mr., and again, I won't say his last name, but we had some interesting adventures.
2: You know, it's funny that you say that, and maybe, uh, you know, I have to admit, whenever there was, like, an adult that was the lunatic in the neighborhood that I know would do stupid <laughs> stuff, I would tend to, uh, <laughs> like, be in the general vicinity to see if he was going to do anything stupid, Coach. It, it's, and uh, my I lived above a bar, and I do remember Halloween. That's, like, one of the few things when – I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. My parents owned this building, and there was a bar underneath. They, they ran the bar. And I would hang out the front window and see the crazy stuff. And I would like vividly remember just Halloween being like a day that people acted absolutely crazy. And to this day, my image of it is just like good girls are reason to uh, dress like they're hoes. And then, you know, and then normal. <laughs> this you have to admit, coach. How many sweet, normal girls, all of a sudden, you're like, what the you're a vampire ass or something like that. It's really just like some fangs, but she's wearing tights and showing and like push-up bras. I mean, you're yeah. not a vampire. You just got some teeth, and you now you're wearing a body type with a push-up bra. That's all it is. So,
1: <laughs> well, I think that's the whole idea. Halloween, big deal. Yeah. You could dress oh. up and be something. You aren't normally. So little, yeah, little Susie, you know, one day a year, sweet innocent little Susie from sixth grade can go nuts. Give her a break.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it depends on like now that Halloween's a lot different for me now. Now I never eat candy even around Halloween. That's I'm afraid to give it out. Uh, one year I didn't give out uh, all the the candy when I was out in Aurora, and I, I didn't realize that they're done by like five, coach. I think I got home at, like six thirty. I'm like, where's everybody? Never, they all left. They're like, oh, they're done. I was like, oh, that's too bad. I ended up eating like two bags of candy. Now mm-hmm. the la- last year, the last person literally got everything.
1: <laughs>
2: like, this awesome. i give, like, four bags of cake. I, I would refuse to have that stuff on my house. Totally different, considering I lived off of it for about two months. I,
1: big Dog and I'm a coach not. with you right up until 11 o'clock. Phone lines are open, folks, if you want to check in your uh, Halloween memories, what costume you're wearing this year, most destructive thing within certain limits, because reportedly, are, we, reportedly we are somewhat of a family show, Big Dog, so let's keep it as clean as we possibly can. But uh, if you want to check in with some Halloween thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. 888 the phone number. And uh, Big Dog, we will see. It'll be interesting as you experience your first uh, Halloween out in Chinatown. But um, we'll see. Final day of October, by the way, as well. Another month hath come to a close.
2: Oh, that, all that means I have to pay bills tomorrow. That's, thank you for reminding me of that, Coach, because sometimes I can forget that.
1: <laughs> by the way, nobody... I put out a uh, APB, if you will, mm-hmm. for for candy corn. I've got this t- I'm not a big candy guy, but I definitively had a taste for candy corn, big dog, and I thought, you know, maybe producer extraordinaire, David Olson, possibly assistant producer, Randy Myers, maybe even the boss. The commander in chief here at the studio, Chris Whitting, somebody. You know, what have surprised me today. I looked all around the studio, I thought maybe they were hiding no candy corn to be found. So I I may have to go to the grocery store and buy it myself, which kills part of the fun.
2: No, no, what I don't understand this. You don't you you don't like candy that much, but you choose the worst candy. Yeah, to, to you're like,
1: right. And,
2: and you don't like Butterfingers.
1: Ah, okay, hate Butterfingers.
2: That's a, I don't, I don't, that's,
1: that's, I, you're confusing. Okay. At Butterf- David, you I David Olson, you had a candy corn
0: comment. Yeah, if we got any tonight, I'll hook you up. Oh, <laughs> no, seriously, oh, just in a small.
1: All I need is a little small. Yeah, just to get rid of my candy corn fix. remember, Big Dill, what was it, about a month ago? A month ago that I read that the Oreo cookie was coming out with a candy corn, smushed candy corn as the filling inside of an Oreo cookie. Are you kidding me? Have you seen those, Doug?
2: No, I have. Have you eaten them yet? No. Okay.
1: But not for lack of effort. i got to find those.
2: I mean, that's like one of those things that they're uh, – that will have a niche and what's going to happen is they're going to realize that they can't sell enough of them, but they're going to make enough and they're going to let everybody know we're not making them again. There's like, Uh, something like those things have enough preservatives the last 15 years. So people will buy (laughs) like enough for 15 years worth, maybe even 30 years worth and just take a chance. You know,
1: my wife bought her. I'm not sure how we ended out with a box of Oreo cookies, probably for the first time in like three years in the house. And, um, I couldn't resist. Sat down. You got to have a glass of milk with it. That's that's like almost, you know, if it's not a written rule, it's an unwritten rule. But what I did, Big Dough, you'd be very proud of me because you are the health expert here on the show. I sat down, ate probably a third of a box in three consecutive nights. It was completely, fit, and I would cut out with a knife I had a little newspaper next to me, and I'd cut out the hydrogenated white crap in the middle, uh-huh. and I would just eat. I love the cookie part of the Oreo cookie. I can't stand. The white stuff. So I just, you know, at the end of the, at the end of my feeding, I had a newspaper full of disgusting white hydrogenated soybean oil, whatever that is. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's the there Yeah, I ate, I ate the cookies with the milk. It was delicious.
2: Yeah, that's uh, well. If you're gonna do it, that's the way to do it, coach. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much. All right. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number, dog and the coach and uh, big dog at a one hour show. We got to keep it moving. We jump over hurdles. We pole vault, if you will. We take a flying leap onto different topics as we go. And, um, we started off our show yesterday by mentioning it, and it was all kind of new news now, but we certainly, uh, you know, Halloween becomes secondary this year. The big story, the primary story is again what people are calling one of the worst storms, maybe the worst ever to hit the United States. You've had 24 hours, if not 48, to let it soak in, dog. You've seen some of the pictures, um, your thoughts and comments, and, of course, we send our prayers and wishes to everybody on the East Coast about Hurricane Sandy.
2: Yeah, How do you cope with that when you, when you lose so much, even if you know it's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're smacked with the reality that your house and your neighborhood have been totally destroyed. I mean, hopefully people were smart and they, like were able to keep mementos out of it, because they knew in time, like, smart people hopefully were able to, at least the stuff they could save, but... Uh, just to see entire neighborhoods that absolutely flatten, coach. I just can't even imagine. Can't even imagine the thing about going home and just seeing the whole neighborhood flat.
1: Yeah, the one one neighborhood got destroyed by fire. I mean, what 80, 70, 80, maybe a hundred homes? Was that New York or New Jersey,
0: David? That was in New York. It was in Queens. Uh, it, a whole neighborhood went up because well, the area around it was flooded, and the fire department couldn't get there. Right. A hurricane and a fire
1: is just, with the winds, brutal combination. Yeah.
2: Just it brutal. is a brutal combination. You know,
1: one thing I is, is you're watching the news and the pictures, and some of the pictures are more amazing now because they're getting videos. And I haven't checked YouTube yet, but I bet there's some amazing stuff on YouTube. But the news stations now, Big Dog, are getting videos taken by some of the individual residents. Uh, so obviously you get more widespread um, depiction of some of the disaster that has occurred but one comment I had as they start, you know, to do the recovery is like, where? I look at the pictures, the vastest of the destruction. Where do you start?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, like, how well, do you, you know get... what's going to happen? Is the people with money, is it, and the highest taxpayers are the ones that they're going to start with? Let's, let's face it, that's how it's going to end up happening. Man, so you're the mayor. But I
1: guess or you're... The roads,
2: you got to get the roads cleared first. Is I, I guess what you have to do. I mean, that's where you start, don't you?
0: David? Yeah, it's the roads and public transportation. And and I know that's up. what New York is. Well, yeah, well, I, yeah, power first, which is what they're working on now. Like, for example, most of lower Manhattan is still out and the entire transit system is underwater. So well, I think. Well, the power it, might be out. Uh, they said 80 million without power, but a good
1: many of them, it could be a week, 10 days. Most of yeah, it's not going to be a one yeah, or two. That's
2: to, the issue. You have one day, everybody can deal with that. Everybody can deal with one day without yes, power.
1: Yes. Yes. So power first, road second, and then what did you say was third? Transportation. All right. So that answers my question. Where do you start? That's that's probably we start at the very beginning. But th- those three would probably be the way to go first. I'm huh, big Doug?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that sounds right. I mean, power you have to have power. So like I kind of.
1: How much of the water recedes on its own, and how much needs help? You know. From a human perspective,
2: well, I don't know about the transportation system. I don't know if that guy like got flooded and somehow they got to pump that out. Well, I'm sure they had drainage systems with, with that. So uh, I, I don't ever remember New York's uh, subway system being flooded. So I'm not really aware how they would actually get that out. I have no, I have no clue, Coach. Hmm.
0: Well, yeah, with uh, New York, with the subway systems, they're going to have to pump them out because there is, there is drainage, but it's not equipped to take the amount of yeah. water that they, uh, the that they took. The subway. But yeah. what about the
1: pictures we see where the water is in trench roads and houses? That, well,
0: that needs to naturally recede. It will, okay. That'll naturally yeah, that's recede. Simple
1: though. And then when it recedes, the aftermath of that is brutal. You got cleanup, yeah. you got, and then you got, you know, potential disease, right? Although, Probably the fact that it's winter and not summer helps in that regard.
2: Yeah, but but you'd be surprised, Coach. Uh, I mean, sometimes bacteria, like they say, it lives a lot better in cold water than it does in hot water. Mm So, I mean, it's still going to be rampant. There's probably just going to be different forms of stuff.
1: Absolutely brutal. Big Dog, did you uh, know anybody who lived in... An area of potential danger out there. Have you been in touch with anyone from a more I, I pers- haven't been
2: in touch with anybody on the East Coast. That I'm like, I let them deal with their own stuff. I mean, they've, they don't have power support So, mm-hmm.
1: and you were talking yesterday about how the New Yorkers in particular got a little machismo going, right? They they think they can handle yeah. it at least.
2: Yeah, they're they're acting like they can handle it. They're like, yeah, when we get hit, we get hit with the storm of the century. So. Yeah, so That's just. It, it, there's been some some funny quotes from New Yorkers, but now that they're top, finally realizing, like fifty people are dead, mm-hmm. so my cheeseburger is no longer out there. You know, yep. what I mean, people are realizing this is like really, really, really bad. Yep. So,
1: fifty reported dead. I think. Uh, what is it? Eight million without power. Cost wise, they're talking twenty billion. You know, I think upwards of, of fifty billion. Yeah. I was gonna say that'll go well up from there. It's unbelievable, but um, we'll see. You know, the, uh, hopefully the immediate danger and disaster is gone, but it's gonna be a long, long process. Boy, you see now, uh, Chris Christie, who was the what, governor, right, of New Jersey, David. I keep getting yeah. the senators and governors mixed up in this fine political season, but he was, he was visibly, visibly shaken, big dog. Especially the day after, I think, when he was able to. You know, in the in the light of day, see the aftermath. He he was he's a well, large, Jersey, confident man, but he was visibly shaken.
2: Uh, New Jersey is the most densely populated state in in America. So when that gets hit with a, a hurricane, I I think I read something where that is the most densely populated area ever hit with uh, with a hurricane of like, and that's like three stages higher than anything that's ever hit. Uh, uh, something that densely populated in the United mm-hmm. States. So they don't, I mean, normally you don't, like, uh, let's face it, like Miami is probably the most densely populated area that a hurricane would normally hit in, in the United States, and it's nowhere near like New Jersey where there's people living on top of people for the whole entire
1: state. Some people say Nebraska is the most densely populated.
2: Well, it depends on what you mean by death <laughs>
1: Just throwing that out there. Any listeners from Nebraska, our phone lines have changed, by the way. Uh, you can call your information system to find out our new phone number. I apologize to my good friends from Nebraska. How about those Huskers? Nice win over Michigan.
2: Yeah, they got Michigan to, State this weekend.
1: I'm trying to get back on their good side, Big Dog. You know, one thought I had, too, and again, I'm going to go back to uh, Chris Christie, and I promise no closed restaurant jokes. Okay? Uh, through every severe negative, Big Dog, you can find positives. And one thing I found, I don't know if heartwarming is the right word, but this, it, it increased my somewhat depressed spirit about this fine country is to see Barack Obama offering the help and Chris Christie, um, who, you know, on the campaign trail prior to Hurricane Sandy, you know, the, the negativity and the criticism be- between the politicians was just getting worse and worse. I mean, You know, probably uh, we've had some bad elections before. This might have been the worst yet. The real animosity between the two and Chris Christie, I think, was part of it. But now you saw yesterday a genuine, not a made-up, but appreciation. And I don't want to say love, but um, a care, a concern between Chris Christie and Barack Obama. He really appreciated Barack stepping in, and I think Obama... Uh, you know, totally feeling for and empathizing, sympathizing with what Chris Christie's going for. So two adversaries, Big Dog, through a terrible natural disaster brought together, and now much closer and uh, better for it, if that makes any sense at all.
2: No, I, I I didn't see the whole thing. I didn't see them speaking together, but I did see the picture of them walking together. and mm-hmm. like, like The sun was coming up behind it. It was just a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm.
1: And he said, and there was no agenda with it, you know, I don't care about politics right now. I got a bigger issue at hand, and I appreciate what President Obama's doing. You know, and to Mitt Romney's credit too, in Ohio, you know, good move. I don't, you know, maybe it was politically smart. Doesn't matter. They changed the political speeches or campaign appearances to a relief, disaster relief appearances. Big dog. So when he was making the speech, and people were coming to listen to, him, people brought relief supplies. Pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and then MSNBC uh, takes a shot at him. That's too bad.
1: Yeah, my
2: guys. Yeah, whatever. But
1: my I guys that's at NBC. Yeah.
2: Isn't that kind of like? I mean, from now on, in a campaign trail or something like that happens. That's what the candidates are supposed to do. Hey, this yeah. is, let's. We have to direct our attention to what is needed in the United States at the time. So.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, you know, my guys at M- MSNBC, and you know, I am a Barack Obama supporter. I've said that before, and I agree with. But most of their programming, because it is of a liberal nature, but they go too far. They're too one-sided. I think you can convince people more if you're a little bit more objective. You can still have a liberal vent and you can still stand up for your rights. But they're so one-sided. You could say the same thing about Fox right now. So one-sided that it, I think it, it, it takes a little bit away from the legitimacy of the cause that they're trying to promote.
2: Well, CNBC, I think, is their most watched channel, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. So just people watching their money all day long. That's the money one, right? Oh,
1: that's the money one. Okay, I was going to say. It's too confusing. MSNBC, CNBC. I I lose track just every time
2: a list of leads on, though. I just have to watch.
1: Yeah. Too many NBCs. What station is Matt Lauer on, uh, uh, David? That's
0: straight NBC. Straight NBC.
1: (laughs) I know they've had – I don't watch that show too much anymore, but um, I know they've had a little changeover in host with that show. Right? Was it Meredith Vieira who tried and and it didn't work? No, Meredith Vieira left. They replaced her with Ann Curry. Didn't work right. out. Ann Curry, didn't work. Of, of course, her. Katie Couric was before that, but the new young lady, Savannah, that's that's a good match. And again, I don't watch it a lot, but you know, of course, with the Hurricane Sandy stuff, I watched for a couple days. Two up and coming female newscasters slash reporters, Savannah, who is now hooked up with the. Uh, Hard the expression with Matt Lauer on NBC. What's her last name? Savannah? Guthrie. Thank you very much. David Olson, our media critic here on the show. And the other one is Aaron Burnett on CNN. Have you seen her, Big Dog?
2: No, I haven't. I, I don't watch much television, Coach. I'm, I'm sorry. Right. For you.
1: She is the second cutest person right behind Anderson Cooper. Aaron Burnett, the second cutest on CNN, and she's every bit as knowledgeable and television-friendly and sharp as Anderson Cooper. Just not quite as cute, but it's close, very close. What do you think we, uh, you know, what hurricane story would be as we end the discussion here a little bit? And, again, our thoughts and prayers out with the uh, folks in, in the uh, East Coast with Hurricane Sandy as they begin their uh, recovery mode. But, uh, Big Dog, what discussion would, Can't end without talk about the news reporters out in the middle of the hurricanes. Did you see any of them?
2: Uh, Coach, i got to tell you, I saw very, very little television yesterday. And the little that I saw was like, uh, uh, there's the best show on television on ESPN2, which is a a nonsense sports show. But they show a guy out in the middle of the street, and he's a news reporter, and he's saying... The county commissioner, blah, 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 the sheriff has all told, if you should not be out, it is too dangerous, you need to get home. And there's an arrogance in his voice. He's kind of almost like saying, look, I'm out here, and I'm not worried about it, but you need to be home. And right behind him, two guys walk up, and they're, like, in their streets, like, doing jumping jacks, jumping up and down, (laughs) laughing, and the one guy's acting like a gorilla, like, jumping up and down, doing, like, the gorilla, while the guy's saying, oh, my goodness, I swear to you, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. (laughs)
1: Uh, a little a little photo bombing, if you will, once again. Oh my like That's the way you photo bomb by acting like you're a gorilla, like doing the big, like hunched over arm swing <laughs> and
2: like jumping up and down. The guy uh, jumped too; was really amazing stuff. Uh, boy. It was pretty cool looking.
1: Big Dog's becoming our uh, our background TV specialist. Who could forget yesterday's scintillating report about the TV interview with Pablo Sandoval in the Giants World Series locker room, where you noticed Ryan Theriot at the urinal. Behind the camera, and he was uh, waving to the camera and drinking champagne as he's doing his thing.
2: Well, by the way, that's the highly questionable the Dan Levitard show. That guy, it was the same exact <laughs> uh, the same exact show. I got both of them from. Okay, yeah. so I really can't All actually. Right. The only show that I, I tape it and I actually watch it.
1: By the uh, way, I was talking it. about the the you know while he's at the urinal, turning around to the camera, waving. I had mentioned cowboy style. A better description of that. That's why you got confused. I should have asked. Was he waving rodeo style? Maybe that doesn't help. Yes. No, no, I
2: don't think it okay. you know. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh eight 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 four six three six seven four eight Big dog in the I coach. I was
2: out yesterday by the lake, coach. I didn't mean to cut you out there. No I, I was out by the lake yesterday. I'm sorry, dude. So well, but I can't even imagine what it looked like on the East Coast live because I was on Lake Michigan. And six foot waves were coming in. I and I was like, this is Lake Michigan. I could not believe what I was what I was seeing. So this is the far western point that missed the hurricane by what about a hundred miles or so, and we were getting six foot waves in Lake Michigan yesterday. So to the people that were out there, it was mind boggling. It was pushing me around. I mean.
1: Why so I, was it just? Were you spectating, or was it business? Why were you out near was, the lake? I was
2: helping. I was helping my uh, my buddy put one of his boats back. Wow! So, uh, and I had I had to do a bunch of stuff, and it was, it was funny when the wind kicked up.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I had I got the boat on a balance. It was Supposed to be a couple guys push this thing, and I just got underneath it, and I just started running with this thing. And what? they were like, people were like, "You're doing it by yourself." They they didn't put two and two together that I had to the wind behind me, and I was able to push, like, a ton boat by myself. It was pretty fun. Though.
1: Wow. Did you, uh, uh, what What harbor were you at? Uh, I don't know. We were
2: at the the beaches created by Burnham. That's what, like, the Burnham. It's on Lakeshore Boulevard in Evanston, so just where okay. the city ends. Okay. Right on the lake. I mean, right on the lakefront, and my buddy's house is right there. So, is that
1: near uh, near Northwestern University? Extremely
2: close to Northwestern, okay. but south of Northwestern. Okay, but not in Chicago yet. On the lake, right there.
1: Beautiful, beautiful beach area back there. By the way, very oh, yeah, unbelievable. Very underrated. How how many of the boats uh, had severe damage? Uh,
2: well, I really can't tell you that because. Uh, only some people are dumb enough to get them off October 30th when they haven't used them in a month, and that might be somebody listening to the program right now. But, yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that's another question.
2: Or another
1: <laughs> well, there's a boatload of them still with the said. They moved the boats from the Montrose Harbor, where they are unprotected. The boats are uh, freestanding, if you will. They go free willy yeah. at Montrose, big dog. Wait, Montrose? Uh-huh. No, I'm sorry, Monroe. Okay. They yeah. go free willie at Monroe, and most of them were out, but there were still some there. The DuSable Harbor has the dock, so they moved the remaining ones from Monroe over to DuSable Harbor, but I think some of the ones at DuSable Harbor got damaged as well. And, you know, some people like to, I think it's November 15th, I want to say, is the date you have to get the boats out. Okay. But there's some hardcores that are waiting for those one or two nice days. You know, when everybody else has brought their boats in, and then, ah, ha, ha! It came too soon, and they go out there like on November 3rd on a 70-degree day, and they're out there in the lake all by themselves.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, or then you, But sometimes you have storms on October 30th, and you're both going up and down by six feet right in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's like, please, please. Don't
1: it, can, it can work both ways, no doubt about it. Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, 58 minutes and 14 seconds. The finest Chicago talk we can get here with the big dog and the coach—that's all they give us, big dog. We're on a tight schedule here. We're trying for two hours, my friend, but right now we're we're on the limits—fifty-eight minutes and twelve—and don't forget that twelve seconds, by the way.
2: I will not forget it, coach. It is
1: very, very valuable. Um Now, I said at the start of the show that a week from today, a week from today, big dog, on our soon-to-be award-winning show here, we could be talking about who, or we should be talking about who the next president of the united states will be so we've got some um, interesting angles to talk about one and you're our political expert here in lieu of we're too cheap to pay for an actual political expert but the hurricane and the natural disaster here how it's going to affect the election
2: well uh what's going to end up happening is some of the polls have actually been destroyed and they're not sure if they're going to get them up now so There's going to be all types of attention paid to whether uh, ones in predominantly uh, Republican or Democrat areas are are fixed first. Uh, You know all that stuff's going to be. People are going to be keeping an eye on all that as they try to Mm -hmm. rebuild these polls in time for uh, next week. And supposedly now there's a lot of, there's no more early voting that's going to be done in those polls. So what might end up happening is they might keep them open longer because some of these people that uh, were supposed to do it before can't do it on the day of and. Forgive me uh, for there's, being there's kind of a mess, coach. You're right. We might have to wait. Like, oh, a poll was destroyed, and yes. uh, a couple of polls were destroyed in Virginia, and because of this, Virg- Virginia can't be decided. And Virginia might be like the. I don't know if that's one of the votes that, I, uh, think gonna that
1: I think they're going to fly the Chad Chad counting uh, lieutenant governor, the that lady in Florida. What was uh-huh. her name? They're going to fly her up to New York, and she's going to be the one to mediate all that.
2: Oh, that sounds good. That sounds really
1: <laughs> good. So not really. Um, help me out at the expense of sounding naive and producer extraordinaire, David Olson, uh, a political pundit of sorts. Why is the early voting so much more? And again, I apologize for naivety. Why is it so much more a factor this year than ever before? Number one, more would this you, year
2: than others. I don't know why it's more this year than others,
1: but I mean significantly, significantly more. There's like a real big push to have it happen too, if you notice. That's the part
0: I understand. The part I don't understand is why this year. Because personally, I think because this election is going to come down to turnout, and that's why. So there's a strong push on both party from both parties to make sure people get out there and vote, as opposed to previous elections. As opposed to previous elections. Which I mean a lot of people once elect- again once again that's that's just an opinion hey, let me ask you this has there always been
1: early voting is it more extended now than in previous years?
2: well it used to be a little different you'd have to mail it in you'd have to apply and say I don't know if it, when this changed but I know when I was a kid if just that you didn't want to you, you couldn't be in America or you couldn't be there on that, that Tuesday you would have to then you would mail in your vote It wasn't like early voting I don't I don't know when they started opening the polls earlier for places you can go in to vote but just be mail-in coach can, I, I wish i knew the exact year that it either changed or they added the early pollsters i'm assuming you can probably still mail your vote in mm-hmm.
0: you oh, can you that's called absentee voting
1: oh. yeah well like like uh the college kids i mean my son for the first time he can vote he's a freshman in college now between pledging for a fraternity and doing all the schoolwork and all the uh quote-unquote, social activities, you know, his level of interest in voting. We've tried to call him. We sent him the absentee ballot. My guess is probably 80 to 20 a- against him actually following through with the paperwork to get it done, big dog. But, uh, you know, that's that's a whole other story. College kids and their absentee ballot. I mean, college. Yeah,
2: exactly. There's all there's, So they still have absentee ballots, so you can yes. still mail it in. Yes. Okay.
1: So sort, of, sort of like um, we did on last Tuesday's show. So
2: if you can still mail it in, why don't we just do it that way? Why are we encouraging people to go out and actually have to go to a poll? It's a good point. Or is that all early voting is? Is by people who mail it in?
1: No, it's 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 actually getting people to stop by the local village hall or wherever the early voting is. But it just seems okay. like it's so much more prevalent now than in previous elections. Maybe just you know the election people, the election strategists are getting smarter. And now, do realized. they count
2: the vote like immediately so we know? You know they're yes. like well the early voting tablets are in. Yes. And, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah yeah that it's out there. Yeah Romney's up nationally but in some of the key swing states Obama's up. And it also, you know, it also serves, you know, to get that news out there cuz like when it comes to voting day we'll get out there and vote if you are guys behind so. Mm-hmm. Here's another election
1: related topic I wanted to bring up more so this year than another year. Why well, I, I don't know. Let me just throw this out. Everybody, every candidate's been, been, I don't know, pandering is the right word, but emphasizing to the middle class. Now, you know, is the middle class $250,000 income and below? We can argue all that. I don't want to get into that right now. But it's all been middle class, middle class, middle class. Big dog, have you noticed, because I certainly have, that very few, if any, candidates at any time have talked about helping the lower class the people that are really, and nothing against, you know, I'm all for improving the middle class. I mean, that certainly has to be an emphasis, but zero talk about the lower class.
2: Lower classes and vote, Coach, they don't have enough uh, wow. money to actually own the television to hear all yeah. this stuff, so so that's you gotta, like, so when you're watching the ads and all that, you got to figure what the target audience is. For yeah, but let's let's, the, let's the you're going to get ads about the middle class.
1: Well, but I'm not even talking about ads. I'm talking about in debates and speeches. I mean, you know, forget about strategy. For How about a basic right from wrong? As George McGovern, who sadly just passed away, one of the great bastions for liberal ideology, said, uh, you know, government one of the primary purposes of government is to help people that are the most in need. Forget about strategy. What about politicians talking about, hey, how are we going to help the lower class, not just the well, middle
2: politicians, class? politicians, all they care about is getting reelected. They don't oh. actually care about actually helping anybody. So they're going to focus on the stuff that keeps them in office.
1: I tend to be a little bit more idealistic than that. I, I tend to think that the candidates do care to some yes. extent, to a lot of extent.
2: I think they'd rather just stay in office. If the option was actually getting something done, or doing the right thing and getting voted out, or just doing what it takes to keep you in, yeah. all politicians will do what it takes Boy, to keep
0: you yeah, in. Yeah, I, I, I'm a hundred percent with the big hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I, to a certain extent, yeah, there are idealists like like you you talk about in office. However, there are far far more that are more concerned with keeping their office than doing the right yeah. thing, and that's I'm, that's I'm not, really I, really sad. It is sad. There's no question
1: about that, and it's one of the, the very—you talk about the core of what's wrong with politics today. That is it. I'm just not ready to jump in the hundred percent pool like you are. I'll dip a—I'll dip a foot in a leg, and maybe
0: part of my waist in. But and I didn't say was, i didn't say it was 100% of politicians, but I agree with Big Dog's assessment 100%. And that's the question you need to ask yourself, particularly at the lower rungs of government, when you're making those votes.
2: Yeah, you, so you
0: need to you need to look at what they've done at their time in office, and what the you know the the new people running are going to do. Okay,
2: right. yeah, and the major when you, like let's let's face it, major corporations are going to decide who wins this election between Romney and and Obama. Some guys, some people will decide to put enough uh, emphasis and enough uh, tax. I mean, uh, what do you call a uh, TV revenue or whatever. Uh, type of ad revenue in the right places to get somebody elected and then that president will be beholden to those people but the local people coach that's that is different that is completely different you really can take control of your politics at a local level absolutely you can
1: well if you wanted to do some hard community service for some troubled teenager who did something wrong or some hardened criminal big dog you could bring them to ohio this weekend and for like sunday no saturday through monday have him watch twenty-four hours of TV at all the ads in the in the fine state of Ohio, and I guarantee <laughs> that person would be uh, at least somewhat re- rehabilitated. Probably completely uh, mentally messed up, but possibly rehabilitated. Yeah, I, yeah definitely messed up. Would
0: yeah. <laughs> definitely be a key. Code.
1: Dog, Dog says it's the big corporations. I, I think you know that are going to decide. I think it's uh, you know the the fifteen undecided voters in Lima, Ohio. The heck okay, the well,
2: well, those those Lima, Ohio voters are going to have Johnson & Johnson and, and uh, DuPont and every other major corporation trying to – they're going to have them take surveys that they don't even know about. They're going to come in, knock them out, get them into their subconscious, and next thing you know, they're going to feed them all that <laughs> in the television ad. They're, they're, they're oh. really happy that this is coming down to about 100 different people around the uh, United States.
1: I don't know how thrilled they are about that. Oh, by the way, now, I, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, Big Doug. Maybe not, but it's getting more and more – play there is a chance not a great chance but you know five percent eight percent chance that the electoral college could end out in a tie there's a way that could happen i
2: don't know if it's as high as eight percent do you really think it's that, if there is a chance coach yes
1: on the undecided states there's a way it could work out where you know we're not talking a point we we're talking all right call it three to five percent the electoral college could come out in a tie if that happens the president Selected by the Congress, most likely, Mitt Romney. The vice president, boy, our forefathers are really sadistic in this nature. Uh, <laughs> our vice president, <clears throat> excuse me, two years working here. I still have to figure out where the call button is. Uh, selected by the Senate, big dog, most likely Joe Biden. You could have Romney and Biden together for four years. I personally would pay to see that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well somebody might pay to see that who knows if that, if that would happen somebody then did pay to see that
1: Yeah, uh, and i'm rooting for obama but from an entertainment value i would almost go romney biden and somebody brought up yesterday and this is beautiful state of the union address think about it big dog romney given the state of the union and who sits right behind normally with a straight face As the vice president? Can you imagine Joe <laughs> trying to keep a straight face? And you know Joe Biden more than any candidate we've had. You know, with 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 the grins and the shrugs and the shugs, um, that would be classic. That as Romney is waxing poetic on various issues, just to see the reaction of Joe Biden. And then right next to him, of course, would be John Boehner, which makes it even better.
2: Oh, would that be? Oh boy. I, we we need something better for the country than that. We can't have that happen.
1: That would be awfully, awfully good. Hey, before we sign off, big dog, our Chicago Bulls. We've got to match a little sports here. Our Chicago Bulls open up their 2012-2013 season, minus Derrick Rose. But please tell the fans out there, a little optimism an hour. Your Chicago Bulls.
2: Uh, there should be plenty of optimism if you, if you have patience and a willingness to wait a couple of years for your favorite team to win the NBA championship. But if you just want to go out there and see a bunch of hard-played, hard-fought basketball, you can uh, – you can. and, by the way, tickets will probably be a lot easier to get right now. So mm-hmm. why don't you go out and take your family to the, the United Center?
1: And to make the playoffs, they got to survive without Rose. We don't know if it's going to be minimum half a season. It could be the majority, but it should come back at some point. How many games – do they have to win to finish in the top eight to make the playoffs?
2: Um, well, the, hopefully they finish like with the like the fifth spot. That would be really nice. But they're going to have to be at least 500. So uh, 41 and 41. In order for that, they have to win 45 to 46 games to avoid, make sure they avoid playing the, the Heat in the first right. run. You don't want to do that. You no. don't want to play yeah, the Heat. No, you're the
1: first right run. about that. All right, good luck, Chicago Bulls. They open up tonight uh, at home against Sacramento. Big Dog scintillating show today. We opened up with the baseball exploits of Fidel Castro. We snuck in Hurricane Sandy and uh, a little Halloween talk and finished it up with elections. Not bad for 58 minutes and 12 seconds.
2: It's the usual, Coach. But we'll do it again tomorrow.
1: <laughs> a business-like performance by you, Doug. Absolutely. Way to wear your heart hat, my friend. Uh, have a good day. All right, Big Dog signing off. Thanks for listening, everybody. We much, much appreciate it. 10 o'clock tomorrow, we do it all over again. Don't be late. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, thank you for your great work. See you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.